Hi, I'm Blake Gilman, the Vice President, Director of Post-Acute Care Services at LCS. You're listening to the Healthcare Highwire. Thank you for listening to this episode. We hope you enjoy it. This is a Healthcare Highwire presentation. Welcome to part one of the two-part series on how to mitigate the industry's top MDS denial risk. I am Natalie Moore, the MDS Specialist here at Life Care Services, and I'm joined today by Michelle Kramer, Director of Health and Wellness Programming. Welcome, Michelle. Thank you for having me, Natalie. Absolutely. Thanks for taking the time out to talk with me today. So within the post-acute care industry, we're now aware of some high-risk denial areas of the MDS. I wanted to get your perspective as well as some recommendations on how our communities can mitigate their risk for denial of payment for their Medicare aid beneficiaries. I know you have a ton of knowledge regarding coding and documentation requirements for Section G, G, and obtaining the diagnosis of malnutrition or risk of malnutrition. Michelle, let's start off with Section GG. What are a few tips for coding and documentation of usual performance in Section GG? Absolutely, Natalie. I am glad that we are discussing these areas as I know that GG is a very confusing topic and the CMS requirements for documentation to support Section GG continue to change. So what I would say is when coding the resident's usual performance or effort, this refers to the type and amount of assistance a helper provides in order for the activity to be completed. Use the six-point rating scale for six independent, five for setup, four for supervision, three for moderate assist, two for max assist, and one for dependent. As we are scoring the resident's usual performance, we want to really think about the types of assistance that is provided to the resident. Is it setup or just cleanup, touching assistance, verbal cueing provided, and or lifting assistance. We also have the four additional codes such as seven for resident refused, nine not applicable, and 10 not attempted due to environmental limitations, as well as that 88 not attempted due to medical condition or safety concern. So we don't want to record the resident's best performance and we don't want to record the resident's worst performance, but rather we want to record the resident's usual performance during the assessment period. Remember, the code is based on the resident's performance. You don't want to record the staff's assessment of the resident's potential capability to perform that activity. So if the resident performs the activity more than once during the assessment period and the resident's performance varies, we want to make sure that we're coding section GG based on the resident's usual performance, which is really identified as the resident's usual activity performance for any of the self-care and mobility activities, not the most independent or dependent performance over the assessment period. So a provider may need to use the entire three-day assessment period to obtain the resident's usual performance. Yeah, in all honesty, we could all use clarification on that term, usual performance. So those were some great and much-needed tips. Now I want to get into another area that has seemed to evolve each year with increased requirements causing some confusion and lots of frustrations. Michelle, what are the most current documentation requirements to support Section GG coding here and now in 2021? Great question, Natalie. This is such a confusing area. We are finding that CMS and Medicare Advantage are now requiring documentation within the medical record to support the coding of Section GG. 
and it needs to be assessed within that first three days. So we're seeing denials that are related to therapy reporting section GG status, but the plan of care that they are assessing the resident on is not signed by the therapist and or the physician. In addition, we are seeing that MDS did not sign for the same day as they are summarizing the statement that goes with how they scored Section GG, as well as the IDT note was not documented by day four. So let's review some examples. So per the REI manual under Section GG, it states that I quote, documentation in the medical record is used to support assessment coding of Section GG. Data entered should be consistent with the clinical assessment documentation in the resident's medical record. So if you're looking at the REI manual, that is an actual quote. We want to look at how are we documenting? So what LCS recommends is that nurses document and describe how the resident is doing on the unit during their admission assessment. The GG assessments in the EMR and their daily skilled documentation will be supported by that. Therapists document in their evaluations and their daily skilled notes. And therapy, nursing, and MDS must collaborate and ensure Section GG coding is supported and accurate. MDS should always have a discussion with therapy and nursing and review the notes to finalize and document a collaborative assessment summary. Yes, the collaborative assessment summary. So this is certainly an area that needs unraveled and now requires many more details with the implementation of PDPM. So what are some good examples of a collaboration assessment summary? Well, it all depends on if therapy, nursing, and MDS do or do not match on the scoring of usual performance in the areas within Section GG. For instance, if Section GG matches the IDT and therapy, they match together, MDS may document in the medical record that documentation reveals that the resident is able to function with setup, for example, for eating, supervision with oral hygiene, is maximum assist for the other self-care and mobility areas. The resident is not able to ambulate more than 10 feet with max assist, and coding in section GG reflects her usual function on the nursing unit over the three-day observation period. So if you kind of listened to that example, it's really giving the specifics of how you coded Section GG, the collaborative piece that MDS nursing and therapy match. And so then it's that collaborative usual function over the three-day observation period. So let's say if Section GG scores differ between the IDT therapy and MDS, MDS may document in the medical record that documentation reveals variation in resident function over the course of the three-day observation period. The resident is able to function with one therapy staff minimum assist for mobility functions. On the nursing unit, while she was able to complete self-care tasks with setup, she was usually tired from therapy and often required two people to assist transfers and repositioning in bed and was moderate assist for mobility. The resident stated she was previously able to do these things independently and is working hard to regain her independence. 
coding in Section GG in this case reflects her usual function on the nursing unit over the three-day observation period. So really what we are looking for is a summary statement that supports the scoring of the Section GG areas in self-care and mobility in the medical record. Wow, the GG collaboration summary has certainly evolved. Those were some really great examples. I'm so happy you were able to give me some insight in how the documentation differs per the situation. Thanks, Natalie. So let's switch gears here. Another MDS item that is at high risk for denial is the lack of documentation to support coding the diagnosis of malnutrition. That's correct. We have heard out in the industry that CMS and Managed Care Advantage companies are denying on lack of documentation to support malnutrition and or the risk of malnutrition. So what are we missing? Well, we need to remember that per the REI manual, the items in this section are intended to code diseases that have a direct relationship to the resident's current functional status, cognitive status, mood or behavior status medical treatments, any nursing monitoring, or risk of death. One of the important functions of the MDS assessment is to generate an updated accurate picture of the resident's current health status. Therefore, we need to make sure that the physician has documented the diagnosis and document on their treatment or intervention. Dietary needs to provide documentation on the nutrition risk assessment of the resident and the development of a care plan with interventions that are set up to prevent further risk of malnutrition. It is really important to ensure if you have a dietitian only one time per week, you may need to get them in sooner to evaluate the resident within the assessment reference period to capture the malnutrition or risk of malnutrition. In addition, nursing has a hand in this as well. They may want to provide documentation on the interventions within the EMR in their progress notes and their assessments. This goes for any diagnosis. We code the active medical diagnoses that the resident may receive treatment, medications, observations, and or interventions for. Thank you so much for clearing that up. I know that all of these areas for coding and documentation are a challenge, but I hope that everyone was able to gain some great tips to minimize denials regarding Section GG and malnutrition and or the risk of malnutrition. Michelle, this was amazing. You always provide discerning explanations that are easy to understand. So thank you so much for simplifying the complicated high-risk denial areas, Section GG, malnutrition and risk for malnutrition. Thanks so much, Natalie, for having me today. This has been a Healthcare Highwire presentation. Until next time. Thank you to Ben Sounds for the music provided in this podcast.